Hi, everyone. Thanks for checking out the Thrive Podcast. We are the Young Adult Ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Wednesdays at 730 in our Family Life Center. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love for you to post it to your Instagram story and tag us at NBC Thrive on Instagram. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. Amen. You can take a seat. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and grab those and open it up right in the middle. Um, we are going to be in Psalm 130 tonight. Um, would you guys please just give another hand for Jonathan and Nathan for helping us out? Um, I just want you guys to know a lot of stuff when it doesn't work, we're always like, where are the slides? And there's a lot of stuff that happens right in the midst that we forget. And so um, I appreciate his help and Nathan leading us as well. But tonight in Psalm 130 is where we're going to be. We're about six weeks into this series. We have a few more weeks on how to cope the Psalms of Ascent. And I think Christian did a great job last week serving us and covering uh, Psalm 124. And we're going to skip. So we went kind of you know, 120, 121, 122, I think 123, we jumped, I did 127, we jumped back and did 124, and now we're just kind of cherry picking whatever we want. No, um, we're really thinking through this and what we would like to cover and what we feel like is important. And so in Psalm 130, uh, to set it up for you tonight and why I think this is going to serve us well is, and, and I don't even know what this word means, but I hear people say it a lot. And maybe you can tell me what this word means. When someone says, hey, how you doing? Meh. I have no idea what meh means. Can someone tell me? All right, maso manos. Uh, anyone else? Bl- average, blah. Is, I don't know. Meh. How many of you have said feeling meh recently? Just raise your hand. Okay, all right. Some of you hypocrites are like, eh, you know. Um, so here's why this is important. Um, it was recently, there's this guy's name, his name is um, Adam Grant, um, and he is an author and a psychologist and all this crazy, you know, wicked smart stuff. He writes in the New York Times, he writes books and all these things, and he recently came out with the term languishing, languishing, which they defined it, really, it's like post-COVID, this weird feeling that people really a large percentage of people are finding themselves in. So what they're saying is you're not depressed. You're not depressed. It's not like you're, you know, you know, call someone. It's not that. But you're also not thriving. So you're not killing it. You're not doing terrible. You're kind of just there. You're kind of just existing. And the way that you can, the way that they have really said you can really spearhead and determine if someone is languishing in their life is you, they, he did, you know, I listened to his TED Talk and I was watching all this stuff and they, they said people will find these really small little wins in their life over COVID or over the pandemic and you'll try to find just a really small win and it had a guy like stacking M&Ms and he stacked five M&Ms and he was freaking out on his social media and he was like, you know, really, is this that big of a deal in life? You know, um, you'll find small wins, whether the small win is like, hey, you made it to class on time. Uh, and you're like, man, I'm killing it today. And, or, you know, you, you know, got to work on time. You've paid your bills on time, whatever it is. You'll find these small wins and you'll find some kind of significance in that. And he also said, it's one of the reasons why us as human beings we will find things that we can lose ourselves in. So, I mean, it's a prime example. While 
I mean, if, if I catch, if, and I've told my wife, we can't do this. Once there's a series or an episode or a season that we like on Netflix, I mean, book the schedule. Like, we're out. Like, we're, I mean, you guys are like, what are you doing tomorrow night? Slammed. Slammed. Why? Because I'm, I'm watching the show. I'm losing myself in the show. So we just decide not to, you know, we'll try and stay far away. But there's things that you'll want to lose yourself in so you can escape some type of reality. Whether it's just an experience, a friend group, it's something you're looking for because you're kind of just, you're languishing. You don't, you don't really know how you're doing. So how is this tying into Psalm 130? By the providence of God, um, this psalm really helps us determine how we are doing, how we're doing. And a lot of you want to know how you're doing and you have no idea how you're doing. Um, I'll ask some of you, how are you doing spiritually? And when the pastor asks you that, if we went to Starbucks later tonight and we pulled an all-nighter and got, you know, an Americano, a couple shots of espresso in that sucker, and we sat down, started talking, and I would say, tell me about your spiritual life. <gasps> He'd be like, well, I'm definitely reading my Bible. Not really, not, not reading my Bible. Trying to read my Bible. I'm not sharing my faith, but I'm trying to. I'm not really praying. I'm just really busy. I'm stressed. I, I go to church. I sing worship songs. I don't, I don't know how I'm doing spiritually. Pastor, help me out. You... You wouldn't know. Maybe, maybe you would. We like concrete things of how are we doing? How are we doing? And this psalm addresses how the nation of Israel, when they're singing these psalms of ascent or quoting them as they're ascending to God, it's almost like a, a barometer that's able to tell you right where you are and it's able to gauge, hey, is what I am doing working? Because sometimes... You just don't see results, right? You're, you're coping with certain things, and you don't know if you're screwing things up or you're doing them right. You have friendships. They're not terrible. They're not great, but you don't really know. You're trying to read the Bible. You don't know where you are spiritually. Am I growing in my faith or am I not? I just don't know. Am I caught in the fields during the worship songs, great is thy faithfulness, right? Or am I, am I not? Where, where am I? Am I every other day feeling something different. So this psalm really will help us bring out a gauge in your life and figure out, man, am I coping in such a way that God is in the coping? He's in this. And I'm growing as a follower of Christ. I'm growing as a person. And so this first quote I would like to um, give you is from Eugene Peterson. It's Psalm, has this been up here for a while? Nice, nice. Uh, Psalm 130, this is what he says. Grapples mightily with suffering, sings its way through it, provides usable experience for those who are committed to traveling the way of faith to God. Because this psalm and, and how coping works is you will be revealed, how, or it is revealed how you cope when you are somewhat languishing, suffering, depressed, or if things are going really great. So really, that's all of us. You're either coming out of a trial, you're going in one, or you're in one. You're in one of those, that's, that's all people or followers of Christ. You're in one of those. And what this psalm will do will reveal the person who is committed to God they will grapple or they'll deal with suffering. They'll sing their way through it. It provides an experience realizing, am I traveling this way to God? And so this question, and really this next quote, if you'd pull it up for me, um, 
if it is in there, we froze. Perfect. Um, how will my life be measured by God is a good good question. How, how do I know if I'm doing the right things? And a lot of us, um, we, want, we want something that is linear. We want A, B, C, D, and a lot of times people will ask me, what is my next step? What a great question. I love that question. But sometimes, as a pastor or even a Bible teacher, a lot of times you're like, you tell me. You tell me, and this is what this guy Pete Scarazzo said. He is a monster. I'm reading his book right now. Um, anyway, I'll, I'll tell you about it later. Uh, he says, success according to scripture is becoming the person God calls you to become and doing what God calls you to do in his ways and according to his timetable. So these Psalms have been really reflective. It's kind of caused us instead of, hey, instead of, trying to go out and nail a bunch of things down and conquer things and attack things and make sure things happen, how about we just, we look inward? How about we look inward as we approach God, as we ascend or the Psalms of Ascent to the presence of God? How is my life going to be measured by God according to this guy? And I think it's really good and I think there's a lot of biblical truth in this. Am I becoming the person God wants me to become? Am I doing what God calls me to do in his ways and with his timetable? Remember a couple weeks ago we talked about letting God build the house and not busting down doors? Allowing God to build relationships and not force things to happen? God, what's your timetable? I do not like God's timetable. It's frustrating. It's a little bit, it's slower sometimes. It's, it's different. It's not in my way or how I would do things. But it's, it's trusting, it's living in this way of, okay, God, I want to become who you want me to become in this process, not try to accomplish 50 tasks a day. Would you help me to become this? So let's jump into the psalm. Evidence, really the, the overarching idea is evidence that God is in the coping or he's working within it is he responds, which is going to be a little tricky, but it's good. It says in verse 1, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of the pleas for mercy. So you remember uh, a couple weeks ago in Psalm 123, Christian covered mercy and how when we look to God, we cry to mercy. It says in Ephesians 2, 4, that God is rich in mercy. He, he has too much of it. He doesn't run out of mercy for your life. It says in Luke uh, 18, 38, when it, the blind Bartimaeus was crying out, he said, son of David, have mercy on me. Mercy is truly one of the only, one of the only, I think there's three, one of the only prayer requests that God cannot deny. It's outside of his character. If you cry for grace, if you cry for mercy, God's ear is attentive to that. You cannot cry for grace or mercy and God reject that. It's outside of his bounds. He has to. It's what he does. He says, let your ears be attentive to mercy. Now, how many of you feel like God just doesn't hear you? Okay, just me. That's fine. All right, all right. Just the pastor tonight. You just feel like sometimes he doesn't hear you. You've cried out. You've said, out of the depths. 
out of my, my weakness, out of my vulnerability, out of my situation, I cry. I don't know how many times you cry a year. I think I usually cry around two, maybe three every five years, so I'm not a crier. That was a joke. Um, no, but you, you cry to God. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, hear my voice. Evidence that God is in the coping is when he responds. Now, here's the question. How soon does he have to respond? How soon? And he, whenever he wants. Whenever he wants. And here's also for some of you. You don't need to cope with God's voice because you cope with other people's voice. It's someone else's affirmation. You don't need God's. It's another, it's your girlfriend, it's your boyfriend, it's your friend. You don't need God's response. You have your parents' response. You don't need God to be in this because you have a significant other who will bring the coping for you. They will affirm you. And once that person does, you don't need God anymore. And so what we have to ask is, am I really going to God in my coping? Now, let's sing a song. And I feel compelled because last week Christian brought up a poem. That was the first poem I saw. It was the first poem I saw, I think, since sixth grade. And I think the poem is To Kill a Mockingbird, a poem, or is that a book? That's a book. Okay, same thing. I went to Mogador. So anyway, uh, we, it, it was something like that. And I saw the poem, and I was like, a poem? I was like, I'm singing a song next week. So sing this with me if you know this. I'm not going to sing, but just, just, just help me with it. Play along with me. Jesus loves me. For the Bible tells me so. Okay, we can stop. That was good. I'm impressed. I was like, they're going to biff on that. So here's, here's what's true. The Bible does tell you Jesus loves you. But sometimes, don't you feel like God loves you? I, I feel like this would be a better phrase. Jesus loves me, this I know, because he did what I asked him to do. Not that catchy. Maybe I'll write a song. You'll help me out. Go to Psalm 116. Here's what it says. I love the Lord. Why do you love the Lord? Because he has heard my voice and my pleas for what? Mercy. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. Sometimes you call on God because he did what you told him to do. Right now, I have no idea why. I, told, I was talking to, um, I'll just tell you who it was. It was Chris Humphrey a couple days ago. I was on the phone with him. And I told him, I'm in a season of life right now where I'm in the process. If I told someone everything God was doing in my life, I said, I'm almost embarrassed because it's that incredible. It seems unreal what God is allowing to happen in my life, in my wife's life, in the process we're in and what he is doing. I told my wife, I said, I feel like we have to wake up because in all the ways he's blessing us. Sometimes I feel like I love the Lord because he heard my voice. He inclined his ear and I'll call on him all day because guess what? He answers. Isn't that how it feels sometimes? And for a lot of you, you might be saying, why doesn't God hear my prayer? And there's a piece of me, the anxious part of me, is waiting behind the corner until things get really bad. Because they can't be this good all the time. We don't preach the prosperity gospel. Are you kidding me? Something bad has to happen. And God is saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. How about you just trust me? 
How about you cry to me, I'll provide the mercy, I'll provide the grace, and I'll sustain you as long as you need. You trust me today, you let what? Tomorrow's worry be tomorrow. I love the Lord. Why do I love the Lord? For some of us, it's because you've cried to him and he's answered you. Evidence that God is in the coping, he responds. And for some of us tonight, you need to trust that he will respond. It was truly like a nine-month season. I felt like God was silent, absent, and indifferent to my prayer. Nine months to me feels like a lifetime. Feels like a wasted semester. To God, nine months isn't even that. It's, I mean, he is outside of time. He's, doing, he's, he's working, he's helping, and he's ministering. Let's keep moving here. Evidence that God is in the coping. You can't stand. So if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? So um, here's what happens in the Bible frequently. Someone will approach God. Really, there's six different visions in the Bible where someone would approach God's presence. There's multiple times in the New Testament when someone would approach God, and guess what they did? Bam, they would fall down. That was the first response. Fall on their face, fall on their face, fall on their face, worship, worship. They didn't approach God and feel any kind of like, I got this. That just wasn't the thing. And why is it? should mark iniquities, our sins. So there's evidence or proof that you are coping correctly or in a biblical way is when you see yourself for who you are, that you're pretty jacked up, that man, I'm worse than I think I am. I am a wretched sinner. I need forgiveness. So when I approach, I approach God, I don't stand and stand higher and higher and higher. It says in Proverbs 6, one of the things God hates is haughty eyes. But no, I submit. I don't stand, I fall. And here's what's sweet about this. Pull up Mark um, 2. It says this, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. These people who Jesus was healing, they would approach him, fall, and once they would fall, guess what he would do? He would pick them up. It's in Revelation 1, 17 to 19, when I saw him, John referring to the presence of God, I fell at his feet as though dead. That's not just like kind of scared. I mean, we could pull someone up and be like, act dead, you know, bam, they fall, they're dead. How, how do you act? He said, but he laid his right hand on me saying, what? Fear not. I am the first and the last, the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. So here's a question I want you to consider. What strength are you standing in right now? What strength? So really the, the, the crux of the Psalms of Ascent, this is, we keep coming back to this. What are you standing in? What are you walking in? What are you finding strength in? And one of the evidences that you are coping the way God wants you to is you can't stand. You submit. 
You don't stand over him in decision making, you submit. You don't stand over him in career decisions, you submit. You don't stand over him in your financial decisions, you submit. You don't stand over him with your future, you submit. We could go on and on. You, you submit to God because if God were to count our sins against us, it asks the question, who could stand, why? Because no one can stand. There's not one. That's why it asks the question. Number three, evidence that God is in the coping You fear him. It says in verse four. But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. So introducing a thought about fearing God and trying not to, um, you know, tackle the whole idea, but just try to explain it pretty well. Or clear, as, as clear as I can. Forgiveness is the essence of the gospel, Without forgiveness, there is no gospel. Without Jesus going to the cross, there is no forgiveness. Without him rising from the dead, forgiveness is not possible. Forgiveness is why he came, because you and I need forgiveness. We can't stand, we submit, and when you submit to God, you are forgiven in Christ. That is the purpose of Christianity, that is everything we're banking on. Uh, the Bible app is going to read it for me because I need it anyway, you know that. And so there are, you, you need forgiveness. And then it says that you may be feared. Not a popular idea today in any way, in any way, that God the Father is in authority, as Jesus says in John 5, and you and I should fear him. And then there are Tons of people that will say, don't answer the question, does, <laughs> well, just because you fear him doesn't mean you should be scared of him. So the problem with that is the six illustrations of people in the Bible when they saw God, that they were scared. I mean, fell as though dead. He wasn't going on a walk. Dead. Now, here is, the, here is the balance to this. It says in Romans 8 that not that we would walk in fear or live in fear, we are as though adopted sons who cry out, Abba, Father. And when you are adopted into the family of God, which everybody needs, when you are, you're no longer a slave, but a son. So here's how it works. You have memory, memory of how much you should be terrified to death of God. And then you have memory of John or Revelation 1, his right hand lifting you up and say, you can now walk. So you have respect. And it's, it's like that healthy fear. I don't know your relationship with your parents, but you should and hopefully had a healthy fear of your parents to some regard. At some age, at some stage in life, that you shouldn't do something because you respect them, you fear them, you hear their voice, you hear them calling. And the fear of God is probably one of, has to be top, has to be top things that will help you cope and stay away from any kind of sin that will enslave you. Any kind of sin. Because when you know that you fear God, it doesn't matter if you're going to get caught or not by anyone else. You're like, God is watching. I fear God. It doesn't matter if someone's going to catch you on someone else's story or catch you doing this or hear about this or catch you lying. You'll say, "My account, I mean, I, I'm accountable to God. I fear God. Evidence that God is in the coping, you fear him. 
you respect him, you honor him, and you're saying, God is watching, he is in the coping with me, that's evidence. That's evidence in how we're, we're tracking this. And so, this question for you to think about. What you fear determines your future and how you face any kind of suffering. Any kind. What you fear. All of us fear something. You're not one of those, you know, I don't fear nothing, man. I fear nothing in this world. You, you fear something. It's externally it's any kind of affirmation, approval, uh, you know, it's any of that, or it's internally, it's unknown expectate or unspoken expectations put on you, it's pressure coming from the outside or within, you fear something, and I mean, shoot, you fear someone, you do, you fear someone, and fear is a driving force in our life, it's so huge. I mean, it's huge. It just drives and it'll push you to do some insane things. So we should ask, above anyone else, anyone else, I need to fear God. I think he deserves the fear. I think God knows what he's doing. I think God is in charge. I think he is a great, he's a better God than I'm going to be. He's a better God than the people I put in my life, the little God or idols in my life. And so I should fear him because what you fear, it determines your future and how you face suffering. So in Psalm 130, the Israelites have to ask themselves the question, do we fear God? And if we fear God, we'll do the right thing, regardless of the outcome. We'll be obedient to God, and we will leave the consequences to him. We'll leave the consequences to him. So if things go south at my job, I feared God, I did the right thing, I was honest, I had integrity, and I made the right choice. I got fired, that's what it was. If my parents did this and did this, I honored God, I feared God, and I left the consequences to him. My girlfriend, boyfriend broke up with me, this happened, this happened, I feared God, I honored him, I made the wise decision, and I left the consequences to him. Because when you leave the consequences to God, he will, he will bless you. He will. And what I mean by bless is that now he is coming into your situation in a real way. He'll, he will deliver you. He will honor your situation and your obedience. He will. I mean, it's, it's crazy how God can bless you. In this psalm, um, let me go to the next one, sorry. Because um, this is one of the points I want to bring up. You learn to wait. You learn to wait. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits in his word, I hope. My soul waits for the Lord. More than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. In this psalm, it, when it says the Lord, it refers to, I only know this because I looked it up in some commentaries, it refers to the Hebrew word hest. Hest. And that Hebrew word is a loyal love that is committed and is going nowhere. Going nowhere, regardless, regardless of how you respond. Regardless of your ups and downs, when it's hest love, it's committed love. And so here's why you need to wait. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits in his word, I hope. More than watchmen for the morning. We talked about this a few weeks ago. In Isaiah 62, 7, it says that God would set up watchmen in Israel. 
A watchman is simply in a city. They would set them up from normally 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. Guess what they did? Watch. Just watch. Walk around. Anybody ever pulled a night shift? Raise your hand if you pulled a night shift. Yeah, you know. How fun is it to watch? I'll fall asleep in like 20 minutes. Then if you're on the night shift, you come over here. If you've worked security somewhere and you're like, nothing. One time my dad was uh, doing stuff. They were building some property or some stuff at Duma Meats. They got a guy to set up as a watchman because people were stealing wood and steel off the property at night. And my dad would ask him every morning, did you sleep on the watch? No, Mr. Duma, I did not sleep. And I was like, how do you know if he's sleeping or not? I was like, you have no idea if this guy's sleeping. So he says, my soul waits more than watchmen. Here's why this is important. Watchmen are very, very significant. It's a safety. It's a security that you have. God, we saw in Psalm 121, he watches you while you sleep. God doesn't slumber. He watches you. He's a better watchman than you've ever been. Here's why we should wait on the Lord. Because, because he is watching more than any watchman in the night. More than any watchman for the morning. He's, he's watching. He's waiting. And so what we have to say is, evidence that God is in this, I'm going to learn to wait. I'm going to learn to wait. In this day and age, there is nothing, nothing popular, fun, enjoyable about waiting. It is an unknown skill that we have. We don't even know what to do. We don't know how to wait. don't know how to wait for anything. We're in line for something that takes more than like 30 seconds. We're like, who's working this shift? Right? We just, it's, it's I mean, something's buffering, right? We're waiting. We're waiting for the slides. We're like, oh my gosh. We're just waiting. We don't know how to wait. We are, I mean, waiting to us is something so foreign. And if you, uh, if you go on your phone and you Google COVID-19, Ohio, COVID-19, USA, whatever, you scroll down, you'll see the, the charts and the numbers. And then if you scroll down even more, it will say coping lessons. And I saw that and I was like, we're doing a series on coping. Let me check this out. Yeah, you can look it up now if you want. And it will give you things that is like really weird and it's funny only because it's like, yeah, the Bible been saying that for a long time, dog. And it's like, you should just go in nature and like look at creation. Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God. And then it's like, you should be still and really meditate. And I'm like, on what? And then it says in Psalm 46.10 that we should be still and know that I am God. And I'm like, man, if they had read the Bible, we'd have been fine. You Learning to wait, it is, it is a muscle that we do not, we have not exer- exercised in any way. We haven't worked it. So the, any time that muscle gets worked, we are sore, we are tired, and we are beat up because we don't know how to wait. And I'm saying myself included, it's just so hard. Evidence that you're coping well and God is in the coping is you are learning to wait. You learn to wait. Not that you're killing it, not that you're doing it perfect, but you're saying, God, you're in this coping, and I want to learn to wait for you. 
I don't want to bust any more doors down. I don't want to try and make something happen. I want to trust you. I want to believe that you're working this out for your good. Number five, evidence God is in the coping. You find hope in him. And it finishes out the psalm saying, O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And the reason I think the psalm is saying this is because Israel, just like you and I, would try to find our hope, our security, our protection, our future in something else besides God. Something else. In something else we can accomplish, in something else we can find, in some other purpose we can get. And so he's saying, guess what? Steadfast love, you cannot get that anywhere else except in God. You can't get steadfast love in the world. You can't get it from your significant other. You can't get it from anyone else but with the Lord. Plentiful redemption. Oh my. I wish we could talk about redemption tonight. It says in Ephesians 1, let's talk about it for a second. It says in Ephesians 1, in him there is redemption. Redemption in Ephesians 1 and in the Bible is referring to the idea we talked about, forgiveness, forgiveness, and redemption is just too much. It's like when uh, the illustration I'll give, and I usually do, is um, you're going to go to someone's house for Halloween, um, and you're going to eat a bunch of candy, or you're going to eat grandma's cake, and grandma's cake is going to have so much stinking sugar, you're going to take one bite, and what are you going to say? My stomach is killing me. It's, I can't finish the slice, grandma or mama, whatever you call her. It's too much. It's just too much to take in. I can't finish what you have given to me. That is the redemption that is in Christ. You can't finish it. You can't even take it all in. You can't absorb it all. It's just too much. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. When it says he will, it's future and so in Christ, one of the things that you probably believe, if you've been coming for a while, your church background, you do believe that God forgives you of your past. Man, if you've been around church, hopefully long enough, and hopefully decent Bible teaching, you believe, man, God forgives me of my past. Hopefully you believe, man, in the present when I make a mistake and I get right or I confess it and I don't stand, I submit, God forgives you in the present. But so many of us, we just think God is down the road just waiting for us to screw up our lives. Just waiting. And he can't forgive that, that part of you. He can't forgive the Mike when he's 35. He can't forgive the Mike when he's 42 and makes a mistake. He can't, he can't forgive. And so what we think is we have to perform and prove to God that we're really in this for the long haul. When really God is the one who's proved to us he is in this for the long haul. He will redeem. He will redeem from all iniquities. And a lot of times, you don't want to fully submit to God. Don't want to fully give all your cards, all your chips, all of your hopes, all of your dreams, because you think God is holding out on you. You think he's just holding out, and, and can he be trusted? Can he be trusted? Or... Will he trust you? Would he trust you? 
just a scary time. You're like, I don't know if God, and how, you know, what's it going to look like? And you want security, and there is no other hope that can be found, no other security that can be found, redemption that can be found other in Christ. I'll close this out in Romans 5. It says this, we rejoice in our sufferings. It's sometimes suffering is one of those things that's like, after the fact, it's really sexy to talk about. You know what I mean? Someone gets up and they're like, yeah, I had a really bad time in my 20s and God redeemed me and it's really, you know, this and, you know, he put me through this. But where are the people that can say, and the people of God that can say, right now is the worst time in my life. And I'm not languishing, I'm not depressed, I'm thriving. I'm rejoicing in my sufferings because Christ suffered for me. Knowing that suffering, that was timely, produces endurance. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God is in the coping. He wants to be in the coping. The question is, are you allowing him to be in that? God can be trusted, and we should set our hope on him. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for tonight. We thank you for Psalm 130 and these Psalms of Ascent and how they speak to us, how they minister to us. I pray that you would help this group here not be marked by languishing or depression or thriving or any of that stuff, but marked as followers of Christ who are committed to rejoicing in any season you've called them in. God, that we would be people who would stand out where you've called us to be, to be a light in a dark place, wherever that is. Would we learn to cope in a biblical way? And God, I do pray for anyone here tonight who's struggling, who doesn't feel like you hear them. I pray that you would respond. I pray that they would listen to you. And Lord, I pray that you would speak very clearly to them. Anyone here tonight, God, who has no relationship with Christ, even as we were talking about forgiveness of sin, no matter where they've come from, they, they've just realized, I don't have any forgiveness of my sins. Lord, I pray that they would call out to you. I pray they would talk to someone before they go and that they would put their faith and trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins. We thank you for tonight and we thank you for how good you are to us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys for being here. Reminder, next week is Top Golf. Spread the word. And we'll see you guys next week if you're coming. Thank you.